Welcome to another episode of the Confessions of a Recovering Landlord podcast, where you'll learn the secrets commercial landlords would prefer you not know. I'm your host, Jan Gibbons, along with my co-host and experienced commercial real estate broker, Bob Gibbons. That's me. Brought to you by Riata Commercial Realty, where we exclusively represent users of office and warehouse properties. Landlords have representation. Do you? Hello, and welcome back to Confessions of a Recovering Landlord podcast. Today, I think we've got a topic that everyone secretly wants to know, but most people are afraid to ask. <laughs> and that is, who pays the tenant rep broker? Okay. I thought it was going to be something a bit more scintillating, but... <laughs> I think this can get scintillating because <laughs> we often say, our service is provided for you. And it's like, how the magic fairy i mean how do we get paid yeah no i think it's a critical discussion because it it boils down to who do you have loyalty to and how can you have loyalty to one person if the other person's paying you etc so it, it's a perfect topic so go <laughs> oh so you want me to answer it i, I thought well, that was just like the intro <laughs> i mean the 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 way the model of the market system is set up, whoever receives the goods pays that person. In this case, that's not the way it works. Well, so. it depends on where you are and what the service is, I guess, okay. is the best way to start it. Okay. Esoteric but, to our market. Well, no, even that. Um, so most of the time, I would say 95% of the time or more, um, the work that we do is paid the check is written by the opposing party. Um, so because we represent the user, tenant, buyer, you know, corporate real estate user, um, we are, we have a fiduciary to the tenant, but we're, the check is actually written by the landlord or the seller. Uh, so that's almost always the case. However, <clears throat> there are a few cases in which that's not the case. Uh, if I'm getting ahead of uh, ahead of you, just, you know, we can get to that later. No, I wasn't really going to discuss that because there's always the outliers. I'm talking about mainly in our tenant rep practice, how we are remunerated and how that affects the deal flow. Okay. Well, then if so long as our client is acquiring space, meaning they're trying to find space mm -hmm. to lease or buy, then this is the way it is. But if as soon as the tables turn and they're disposing of space they no longer need through sale or sublease, then it's different. And in that case, our client sort of steps into the shoes of the landlord seller, uh, so to speak, and they're the ones that end up paying. But that's that's not normal. That's not something right. we see a great deal. So we can set that aside. Okay, so why is it the landlord? Well, so why does the landlord pay instead of our client paying us directly? Mm -hmm. You know, that's a good question. And I don't, <clears throat> I don't really have a good answer for that exactly. Uh, be, you know, the only thing I can say is that, you know, it's just sort of been that way forever. And I think it really follows the model of residential real estate where, you know, whoever the seller is, has always been the one paying the commissions. It's, you know, built into the purchase price. <clears throat> Similarly, it's built into the rental rate. Uh, so 
you know, it, it, it's not a satisfying answer perhaps, but I think it's just sort of tradition and just the way things are set up. And uh, so, you know, if you have a rental rate or a, a, a sales price, it's just easier to have everything sort of built into that and handled through the transaction by the sort of party that's most um, used to handling it. And in most cases, the landlord or seller is a uh, commercial real estate expert. And, uh, you know, that's their business is commercial real estate, whereas the user is in some other business and they're not really set up for that. They're not really used to what that process or mechanism is, and therefore it's a little more foreign to them. So in a lot of ways, it's just easier to run it that way. So basically the tenant does pay our fee. It's just funneled through the landlord's check. I had the same conversation with somebody yesterday. I was working with a client uh, about their lease and how their lease is going to be, you know, coming up for expiration in the next nine months, 10 months. And, uh, and they have to decide, do they want to stay where they are? Or do they want to move? And, and this was, this is somebody who bought a business from another one of our clients. So they're now kind of novices. This is the first time they're having to deal with a lease uh, extension or, or signing a lease at all. And, uh, and so their question was, you know, how do you get paid? And, and I said, well, you know, we get the, the check is written by the landlord, but let's make no mistake. It is built into the rental rate. So most of our competitors will say, I'm a free resource. No, I'm not free. I, I get paid. You know, I don't do this for free. It's not a pro bono thing. So <laughs> we're getting paid and we are definitely, um, we are definitely going to earn some money from this. So yes, our client ultimately pays the rent and through the rent being paid, the landlord gets compensated and can pay all of their costs. The, you know, the cost for their broker, the cost for the tenant's broker, the cost for their legal fees, their purchase of the building, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So yeah, at the end of the day, it's definitely paid for by the tenant. Mm -hmm. And therefore, you know, be sure you use a tenant rep advisor, a corporate real estate advisor, because otherwise you're paying for the service without getting the benefit of that. Just like if you buy a building, it's not like the landlord is going to give you a discount when you lease or buy a building if you don't use mm -hmm. somebody. So how can you be a fiduciary for the tenant if the landlord's paying you? Uh, by following the law. And so, <laughs> so Boy Scout time. <laughs> well, I mean, the law in Texas anyway says that I can represent a tenant or buyer and have the fiduciary to them if we have a written and fully executed representation agreement. Now, if you don't have that fully represent, executed representation agreement, then the law says you have to represent the seller or landlord, whoever's actually writing this check. And so this is where it gets a little uh, difficult and fuzzy is that sometimes brokers will want to represent somebody who um, they don't have an exclusive listing with or a, an exclusive representation agreement with, and they go out there and start looking around and trying to help that that tenant and you know that all sounds good and fine until something goes wrong you know 99 percent of the time it's not gonna be a problem but if something goes wrong 
And the landlord finds out that there wasn't a representation agreement signed, and therefore that fiduciary res, uh, mm -hmm. relationship was not actually formalized, then that broker was legally responsible to, to negotiate on behalf of the landlord, even though the landlord had their own agent. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's when it could be a problem. That would be excruciatingly rare, but it could happen. Mm -hmm. Okay. So <clears throat> since this cost is built in, doesn't that by default raise the rental rate for the tenant? Yes, it absolutely does. But the rental rate is actually driven by the market. And so what is the market rental rate? Well, I've been in the business for a long, long, long time. <laughs> and I've seen a few cycles. And so there are times when the rental rate goes down. And, uh, you know, we saw that happen in the 80s. We saw that happen in the early 2000s, again, in the 2008 Great Recession. And we've seen that again, uh, after, you know, during or post-COVID, um, maybe not on the face rate, but on the true effective rental rate, once you consider uh, concessions. So, yeah, I mean, the, the rental rate can go up or down. And so would a landlord ever voluntarily reduce the rental rate? No, they're only forced to do so when market conditions, you know, force that. Mm -hmm. And so whether the whether there is a tenant rep agent and even a landlord agent for that matter involved or not, the market rate is the market rate. So let's just say it's a you know $30 rental rate and the tenant goes to the landlord and says, Hey, I'm going to renew and I'm, you know, I don't have a, a broker involved. And maybe the landlord doesn't even have a broker involved on their side. Is the landlord going to quote them anything less than $30? Absolutely not. When I was a landlord, I was an asset manager. My fiduciary responsibility was to get the most money possible for the landlord. So when a tenant would come to me without a broker and say, hey, I need to renew my lease, that was like Christmas. I mean, <laughs> that was the greatest day in a landlord's life because here you have somebody who is not a regular participant in the commercial real estate market who only signs a lease probably once every five years or more who says, Hey, I need to do a deal. And they're saying that to somebody who does transactions all day long, every day. And so that person is outgunned that tenant user, corporate users out outgunned in terms of knowledge. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and so, you know, in those cases I could say, Hey, good news your rental rate is going to be $30. They don't know that the market has gone down and they really should be paying 25 or 28 and they should be getting free rent and they should be getting improvements and all the rest. But because they're not participating in that market on a regular basis, they don't really know what mm -hmm. should be the case. So, you know, the answer is yes, it's part of the, the total transaction costs. And therefore, you could argue that that's part of what raises the cost and raises the rental rate. But the reality is, if you don't have a broker involved, the rental rate is not going to be down, go down, and it's more than likely going to actually be higher. Uh, we had a, a situation with a client many years ago where she actually showed me a proposal that the landlord had sent her saying explicitly on the proposal, if you do not use a broker, we will give you the commission. And they spelled out what the percentage of the commission was. And I said, you know, that, you know, I just kind of chuckled and I said, 
you know, that sounds good, but take a look at the rental rate they're quoting you. And at that time, this was a long time ago, it was like $24 and 50 cents a foot. I think it was, we ended up after, you know, going through the whole process several months later, she signed a lease for 2130 and the building immediately across the parking lot. And that company, that landlord was happy to pay me the standard commission or, well, I shouldn't say standard because there is no standard commission, right. but um, <laughs> a, a market commission, I'll say. <laughs> so, uh, so anyway, yeah, I, that's a long answer to the question, but yes, it's a factor, but it probably does not increase the rental rates in almost any circumstances and may actually save the client money. So in this market, you deal with landlords all the time and you usually have a fairly good working relationship with them. Doesn't that present a conflict of interest? Um, well, that's an interesting question. So the presumption and the, and the question then is that by having a friendly, cordial relationship with somebody means that that puts me in a compromising position if I happen to be negotiating on behalf of a tenant against that right. company. Um, and I don't think that's necessarily the case. I can um, very uh, actively negotiate on behalf of my client and advocate for their position while still maintaining a civil and uh, cordial relationship with them. At the end of the day, I'm not trying to take advantage of a landlord. I'm trying to find the best deal possible for my client, the corporate user. Or Isn't non-profit. that tomato and tomato? Um, I don't think so. Okay. Uh, because ultimately, I don't want to put a tenant in a position where they have a lease with a landlord, where we have bled that landlord down to the last possible you know, ounce of life. Um because then how is that going to be good for the tenant? I mean, is the landlord going to be in a position where they're they're able to have enough profit to stay in business, to maintain the building, um, to do improvements, et cetera? You know, I've seen situations where landlords were in dire straits financially and didn't even have the money to keep the building maintained to the most basic level. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you'd have frayed carpet going down the halls and they weren't it they weren't doing the landscaping right they weren't maintaining lots of things and i and more than one occasion have told the leasing agents for landlords i am not going to show your building again to one of my clients until you get this fixed and in most of those in fact i was i was going to say most but i think in every case that i've ever said that to somebody i've not shown that building again until it's actually sold to somebody who did have the money to maintain mm-hmm. it properly yeah it's sad to see them let an asset go through poor management or whatever it is. So why does the landlord pay you if you're basically negotiating against him? Just the way the structure is built? Yeah, well, because uh, they really don't have a a choice, number one. (laughs) Uh, I I guess I shouldn't say that. Any landlord that wants to can say, I'm not going to pay you. Mm Mm-hmm. I mean, that's one of the problems with the retail business and why we avoid being in the retail business because the landlord is happy to pay a broker when you bring them the tenant in the first time and they move into the property in the first place. But when that lease comes up for renewal, they don't want to see me again and they won't pay me, at least in Texas, 90 
5% of the time, they are not going to pay me uh, to represent a tenant that's currently in their building. Whereas in office and warehouse and medical space, landlords are happy to, to pay me. Now, why is that? You know, my assertion is because uh, in the case of office medical warehouse, it's more of a commodity. You know, it doesn't really matter that much if a tenant's in one building or another, mm -hmm. you know, especially if you're in, in warehouse. I mean, goodness, it's a giant box <laughs> clients never come to. Uh, so what does it matter if they're in, you know, one building uh, or any one of the 200 buildings within a two mile radius? Mm -hmm. uh, similarly for office. I mean, if somebody wants to be in West Plano, you know, they've only got like 150 options. Mm -hmm. What difference does it make if they're in one or another? So I don't think it does. Now they may say, well, I need a building that's got, you know, really high end um finishes and covered parking and all right so now maybe instead of 150 options you got 60 all right still there's a lot of options mm -hmm. so it's more of a commodity whereas in retail it's not you know whenever you look at a, at a retail first of all tenants that do retail often you know the mom and pops anyway again they're not very um savvy when it comes to doing those kind of deals they probably aren't even savvy in the business they're going into because they're doing it as a you know, instead of going to work with somebody or as a, Hey, I got an early retirement and I'm going to start a sandwich shop or a dress shop or a dance studio or whatever. Um, so they're not really um, experienced in all those kinds of things. And so they are desperately trying to keep their business afloat. If they make it five years to mm -hmm. the expiration of their lease or 10 years, whatever it is, they they are not going to move in you know 90% of the cases because they are afraid to they're afraid if i move to the next shopping center down the road are my clients going to find me am right. i going to be able to be seen is the tenant mix going to be compatible with my business on on and on and on so the landlord knows that it's not a commodity and and the tenants are loath to move and uh, and therefore they don't have to pay a broker and not mm -hmm. only do, not only do they not have to pay the broker of the tenant they don't have to pay their own broker and they don't have to give tenant improvements, free rent, you know, new options. I mean, on a renewal, it's just gravy time for a, a landlord. And uh, now that's not always going to be the case, but most of the time that is. And, uh, well, so and that leads to what we were talking about before as a transactional brokerage rather than a relational brokerage. That's why we don't represent retail is because we walk with our clients throughout the lease of the term, even though we get paid at the beginning and not again, it's still in our best interest and our client's best interest for us to walk beside them and help them negotiate if there's operational expenses, reconciliation they're not familiar with, or if there's an option they need to exercise or a rent bump they're not familiar with. And that's included in what we're paid with each renewal. Yeah. And a, or if they have an estoppel, you know, when mm -hmm. the building gets refinanced or sold. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So we we want the long-term relationship with a client. We don't want it to be one and done. Uh, and so, you know, do we have clients that are going into retail? A little bit, not many, but you know, like we have some medical clients that are wanting to be mm -hmm. retail because they want that visibility really close to the street. So they're not going to be in one of these giant shopping centers where they're, you know, tucked way back and nobody can see them. 
Um, yeah, I, I wish they weren't going into those, but they are. And they're a long-term client that we've done many transactions for. So we're going to do that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I wouldn't say never when it comes to retail, because I mean, if somebody came along and said, I want to open up, you know, 50 locations in, um, you know, in Texas and I, and they're going to be, you know, 10,000 feet each. Yeah. I'm, I'm probably going to be okay with that. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, somebody says, Hey, I need to open up a, you know, a, a dress shop or a cigar shop, you know, for a thousand square feet or a vape <laughs> store or a CBD <laughs> shop, which we believe me, we get, you know, you and I both mm-hmm. know we get those all the time. We refer those off to other people that mm-hmm. that's what they're trying to specialize in. Right. Well, thanks for talking about this. It's kind of a, I don't want to say taboo topic, but a lot of people don't talk about it. And I think it should be addressed. So, and I like transparency. I like the tenant to understand how this operates. But you didn't ask what commissions actually are. And there's a reason why. <laughs> What's that reason? Negotiable. It's the N-word, the negotiable thing. Yeah, we, we, we don't want the uh, Texas Real Estate Commission or the Federal Trade Commission coming after us for price fixing. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I mean, we're not ever supposed to talk about that in um, in, in the open, so mm-hmm. to speak. Uh, I mean, we, we openly talk about it to our clients if they want to talk about that, but we're not supposed to sort of compare notes with other brokers uh, because that could be considered price fixing. Um I have seen situations, however, where um, the amount of the commission changes over time. Um, I did business when I was back on the landlord side in Phoenix, and I never saw a market where the percentage commission, you know, the commission percentage was more variable than it was in Phoenix. And um, and so as market changed, it would go up and down to accommodate those, you know, change with those market conditions. You know, in in Texas, it seems like they're fairly constant, but I do see situations where like with subleases, for example, or with a building that has uh, a lot of vacancy or, you know, the landlord's, you know, a little nervous or they're getting ready to sell and they want to get higher uh, occupancy, you know, they might uh, offer a bonus commission uh, for that, you know, sign a lease of a certain size by a certain date, and we'll give you this bonus mm-hmm. commission. So that, that kind of stuff does happen. Is that legal? Absolutely. Nothing wrong with that at all. Um, landlords are smart to do that. I think for tenant rep brokers, corporate real estate advisors like ourselves, um, that's the kind of thing we need to disclose to a client Absolutely. because yeah. if, you know, if we're showing a client three buildings and, Two of them are going to be sort of a a more traditional uh, structure, and the other one's coming with you know this hundred thousand dollar bonus. Well, yeah. does the land does the client need to know that in making their decision? Are they going to feel like if they find out about this later, like right. somehow we steered them to that building mm-hmm. and and Did made it that influence building? us? Yeah, yeah. And so in that case, we need to disclose it. Number one. And number two, we might even should offer that bonus to them instead of keeping it for ourselves. Um, so, you know, it depends on what it is and when it's offered. Um, you know, sometimes a, a, a benefit, but it's not a cash benefit, but it's maybe a, a gift or a, you know, hey, come, you know, hang out with us at uh, some resort for a weekend you know, that comes after the fact, didn't even know about it when we're negotiating, mm-hmm. you know, that's a, that's a different story, but, uh, but yeah, we want to always make sure our client feels like we've got their best interest at heart. I mean, we talked about fiduciary already, mm-hmm. so we need to, 
stay focused on that. Uh, fiduciary and transparency. I think that's a couple of keys. Well, thanks for talking to us about this. Thank you. See you again next time. Bye. Thank you for listening. And just a reminder to send in questions to see if we can stump Bob. Not going to happen. We really appreciate your taking the time to tune into this episode. We would love it if you would give us a five-star rating on whatever platform you're listening to this on. And if you are on our YouTube channel, we would love to read your feedback in the comment section. Also, be sure to subscribe so you get notified when we publish new episodes. Thanks and see you next time. Bye.